Hello and welcome to another episode of History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. I want to welcome to the show your host, it's Gina. Hi, everybody. Welcome to History Bluffs. My name is Gina, and I will be your host and your uh, commentator for the evening. Uh, tonight, episode of History Bluffs will be inspired by the word turn, T-U-R-N or T-E-R-N. And I will tell you how the show works. And thank you, audience. Got some fans out there of turn. Yes, and thanks Big so fans. much. This is Adam the Tech. Hi, Adam the Tech. Hey, I'm Adam the Tech. I'll be teching. Hi. What's that? I'll, I'll be teching. I'll be with you the whole show, Gina, but you won't see me because I'm going to give you the stage right now. Okay, thanks. Bye, Adam the Tech. But if we need you, we know you're there. I um, am. Yes, and tonight's episode is very special because um, we are going to be telling you some things and hopefully uh, uh, turning you into fans of the show. So tonight, I would like to introduce all of the uh, historians, and I will, and uh, I will tell you how the show works as soon as they get out here. Uh, but actually, let me do that now because this will get you more excited. We're going to um, tell you a story inspired by the word "turn." Uh, three different stories. One will be a bluff, and one and the other two will be true. And it's your job to suss it out. So. So let me introduce your historians, and then I'll give you even more uh, details about how the show will work. And um, let's welcome to the stage first from all the way from Chicago. It's going to be Carlos Rivera. Hello. How are you, Gina? I'm good, Carlos. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a nice week here in Chicago. I hope I, I hope you can say the same about where you're at in Orlando. Yeah, it's been it's just been hot, but it's been fun and nice, you know. So yeah. Um, but I will, I don't, I don't know, but it, I just wanted to tell you, like, it, let me ask you this. Yeah. When you were in grade school. Did you get picked? What, when you, when they played kickball, when uh -huh. were you selected? I don't recall. I think you would I recall still, if you were the last one. I'll tell you that from experience. Uh, well, I don't think I was the last one and I think I was still in shape. Uh, so I believe I probably would have been called on, like, not at the end, not okay. at the end, maybe not at the beginning, but certainly not at the end. I think um, the beginning is always the team captains. Those yeah. guys were jocks. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a jock, but, uh, you know, I was, I was somewhere in the middle. I was at the top of that bell. Yeah. Well, I never got a turn in first, but I always got a turn in the last. So oh, you, you, you showed them, you showed <laughs> them all. But I, you know what? I did. I was fast and good, and they didn't know it yet. So then, but we, then we stopped playing kickball. So I don't know. There you go. Join an adult league. You can bring it back. Okay. Okay. Good idea. Good idea. Um, then speaking of adult league, because I think Alan plays this. Alan, do you play? Yeah. This this welcome Alan for. Nice. Have you played? Did you have a kickball event or no? Did I play kickball? Yeah. Oh, did I go to your kickball events? Yeah. No, I don't think I went to your kickball events, but I did play kickball throughout uh, school. And I, I know our mutual friend Tony Bellante once had a kickball event at one point. So I, I played that once. That's what I was talking about. So <laughs> okay. Probably, yeah, he had him a few times also. You That's might not have been there that day, but I, I did one of those games, yes. Yes. Well, um, it is now fall, and I was just wondering if you had any, um, any like, um, like you know how in the new year you have a resolution, and in the fall you're supposed to turn a new leaf. Do you have anything that you'll be doing this fall to like kind of spice up your life a little differently? 
Uh, not that I can think of, but now that you mention it, I never thought of doing that in the autumn. I always thought that was limited to the new year. So turning over right, a new leaf. Right, yeah. You're right. Okay. Yeah. The only leaf I'm going to be turning over are all these debris left over from Hurricane Ian. That's what the leaf <laughs> I'm turning over. I'm still finding them too. Um, boy, Chicago doesn't have to deal with this. But um, the, our last person, also from Orlando, perhaps also uh, dealing with all of this, this is going to be Chris Berry. Everybody, welcome to the group. Hello. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, let me ask you this. You're from New York, correct? Yes. Yes, correct. Yes. Um, in New York, what do you do if somebody doesn't use their turn signal? Uh, you encourage them with uh, hand language to hand signals <laughs> to use their turn signal. I like that. You encourage them with hand signals and perhaps a tap of the horn, <laughs> a really hard, long press tap of the horn. So um, I just wanted to, that's just some fun questions because we're inspired by the word turn. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now the rules of the game and then we'll get started. And it's up to you, the studio audience, to tell us who's bluffing tonight. So the way it works, Adam, throw out the rules. Here come the rules, Gina, just for you. It's just a few of them, but here they are. The topic of turn will inspire all of the uh, stories this evening. Everybody will tell, tell their own separate story. The true stories are completely factual. That means they cannot make up any of the details. The stories that are bluffing you, the, the one story that will bluff you tonight is fictional. However, they can use some factual material from history uh, to kind of bookend their story and make it seem plausible. So they're going to try to trick you. Also, um, if anybody is playing along at home, please don't Google anything and tell our cast through the comments. Keep it to yourself. Um, and at the end, you're welcome to uh, make a guess as to who you think it is. Whether you looked it up or not, we'll never know. And those are just about all of the rules that we have. I mean, really, literally all of the rules that we have, um, including we can make resolutions any time of year. Um, so now let's get started back uh, back for the show. So I want to just um, first, we'll, we'll actually go right in this order. So I'm going to have, I'm going to go from the bottom up. We're going to start with Alan. And Alan, I would love your first round of turn to start as soon as you hear the boom. You know what? Speaking of round one, we're going to transition straight into round one. Adam, you would think that I wasn't doing this every week, but what I did forget to tell the audience was that we will do, um, rounds will get uh, consecutively shorter, so the first round will be 75 seconds. But, uh, Alan, you have 75 seconds starting right now. All right, my title is Turnaround Bright Eyes, and you've heard the term turnaround in the Bonnie Tyler classic from the early 1980s titled Total Eclipse of the Heart. Well, the musician behind Bonnie Tyler's music was the composer known as Jim Steinman. He also composed music for Meatloaf, Celine Dion, and Air Supply during the same time period. Well, Jim Steinman did a lot of work in the 80s, but one bit of work he didn't have to do was write an original song for Bonnie Tyler following her smash hit. The reason I say this is because the Bonnie Tyler single titled Ravishing was simply Bonnie Tyler singing over the instrumental track for a Saturday morning cartoon. The cartoon in question featured the voice of none other than Brad Garrett doing his best impersonation of the titular character. The title of the show, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, 
Yes, the exact same music featured in Hulk Hogan's cartoon featuring live-action Hulk Hogan marching down the street with idolizing fans flooding the streets to follow him was repurposed for Bonnie Tyler. That is fantastic. And um, Carlos, I see you sitting there in judgment. I want to hear what that judgment is. Oh, Alan, 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 you <laughs> dumb bastard. We all know how much you love wrestling, especially 80s wrestling. So to try to attach your affinity for the Hulkster with your affinity for Bonnie Tyler is just sad. It's sad to watch. <laughs> it is sad. You know what's sadder than that is the video from um, Turn Around Bright Eyes. is horrible. <laughs> that Turn around, Hulksters! <laughs> no. No. There was not synergy back then. That would not happen. No, and I, I want Hulk Hogan to put on the, the Bonnie Tyler wig right now. <laughs> this does all. Uh, hey, Chris, what do, you, what do you think about that story that Alan is weaving so far? Uh, sorry, it took me a little while to catch up because I was just counting all the names that he name dropped uh, while he was making this up on the fly. Uh, and I, I stopped at seven and um, I, I concur with Carlos that there's really... I find it hard to believe there's a common thread weaving through all these disparate people, including Brad Garrett. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just count me as skeptical. <laughs> I, okay, I put, I'm putting down skeptical, Chris. I, you're accounted. There you go. Your vote is counted, <laughs> truly and for surely. Um, so that leaves us. So, so now that is the end of Alan's round one. And we've heard from the other things. Now it's your job at home to decide whether or not you believe Alan. He's going to have a couple more times to continue his story. But we're going to actually swing on over um, now to uh, Chris, who's in the center spot. And Chris, you get to start your story right now. All right. My story is titled, Turn On Me. I wash my hands of you. Uh, this, is, this is the story of Ignaz Semmelweis, a doctor who could have saved countless lives. Could have saved? Yes, I said could have saved countless lives. His story begins in July 1846, an era later called the start of the golden age of physician scientists, when physicians started to routinely have scientific training and no longer believed in bad air or evil spirits as the cause of illnesses. They studied anatomy and autopsies became more common. Ignaz Semmelweis was appointed the equivalent of what today in the United States we call chief resident at Vienna General Hospital. And young Dr. Semmelweis collected data trying to figure out why so many women in maternity wards were dying from something called puerperal fever, commonly known as child bed fever. He looked into two specific wards. One, interestingly, staffed by all male doctors and medical students, the other staffed by all female midwives. He counted the number of deaths on each ward, and lo and behold, his findings took a turn he never expected. Oh. More, more coming up in next round. Very, very good cliffhanger there, Chris. That's awesome. Um, I do think, though, that the, since he's from Vienna, it might be pronounced Semovice. I was just a thought. <laughs> that was just up. Alan, Alan, what do you think about Chris's story so far? Well, to, to, your you, point, so oh. to your point, Gina, uh, I think he's uh, he's making this up. Uh, Semmelweis, he, he made that up because he knows of the national anthem of... Uh, or, or the national flower of Austria is the Edelweiss. So he was like, that would be a cool-sounding, German-sounding name. So I'm going to use that. Um, also, uh, 
no, I, I forgot. I forgot what else I was going to say. So that's all I have to say right now. You know what, Ellen? You don't even have to. You don't even have to apologize for that because you knew that national flower, and that was amazing. Like, oh, thank you. You pulled that literally out of your butt. That was great. So, um, we learned a little something uh, today. Or he's trying to poke holes in Chris's story, which could be another tactic. But Carlos, you're wiggling your fingers and clamping your fists. What say you? You could. You could. You could. As you watch, Chris. You could see in you could see his mind turning, and he was constructing this fable as he was telling it. What like just quickly moving pieces into place as they appeared out of his mouth. It's just what no. Ooh, a sick burn, Chris. Got you there. So um, that means that's the end of your round one. Um, why don't we just bring Carlos back up to the screen? And um, Carlos, I would love to hear your round one. Um, tell us your topic and your, I mean, your title of your story and begin whenever you hear the boom. Okay, the title, uh, the title of my story is Turn It, Flip It, Rub It Down. Uh, you know, we, we talk about turning things, but what about turning them over, aka flipping them, aka using a tool every chef uses around the world, the spatula. But 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 we just have this thing, and we never think about where it comes from. I mean, it's like the only thing you know about the spatula is that it was referenced in a Weird Al movie. But in actuality, the spatula really didn't come into regular culinary use until the 1600s in Paris. France. I want to take you back to Paris, France, and Alberto Galenos, who is known as the person who actually invented this device. So uh, he moved from Andorra, Spain, which is in northernmost Spain, like right at the tip between Spain and France. He moved from there as a young man to Paris to uh, become a chef in Paris, because even back then it was known as being a culinary capital in the world. So he moves there in the late 1680s. He's a young man working in Paris as a chef's apprentice. Uh, that's when he met his future wife, and I'll tell her, tell you her name in a moment. Well, her name is not, her name is not Tatsula. I mean, <laughs> Helen, what do you think about Carlos's uh, tale that he's starting to spin? I, I would love to learn some more truth about the history of the spatula. Uh, I, I find it interesting that uh, the title of this segment is inspired by Belle Biv DeVoe's Do Me. And I ask that Carlos do me a favor and tell the truth once in a while. Oh, that was a good one. But if, you know, do me and, you know, if you stay the night at somebody's house, you have to use a spatula in the morning for breakfast. Unless it's one of those nights where you just slip out and do the Irish goodbye. Um, not that I would know, but I'm married. But anyway, Chris, your thoughts on Carlos's story, believe it or not. Well, uh, while I agree with Alan's accusation, I'm actually going to defend Carlos because Carlos clearly had a long day at work. He came in running in home just before we went live on the air, looked in his kitchen, saw a spatula, and that's the first thing he thought of to make up a story. And and so, you know, I, I just I have to stick up for Carlos here. He, he's just going off of something he saw in his kitchen. That's all it is. Oh, that Jokes on you. I don't even own a spatula. Ooh, oh, snap. Well, this is getting interesting. And But you know what that means, guys? That means that everybody has finished telling their story around one and we're going to slip into the next round. And what do we call that, Adam? Adam the Tech. We call that round two. Yeah. Now, what does 
afternoon year round where it cut down to 60 seconds and we are going to um, do it in a, a different order and everybody will have a chance to comment. Anybody at home watching, please let us know if you have an idea of who you think is bluffing uh, just yet or if you want to reserve the right to hear more. And I'm, I'm actually going to go right on to Chris right now. So Chris, you get to tell the second part of your story. We'll bring you to the center and you can just start whenever the boom happens. All right. Well, Dr. Semmelweis discovered in his findings that women in the ward were staffed by all male doctors had died nearly at five times the rate of women in the ward run by the midwives. And he started ruling out differences between the two wards, one thing and another, um, including, you know, the priest that would come and, and do last rites and all that ruled him out, still couldn't figure out the cause. So he was really frustrated. He took a leave of absence upon returning to the hospital. He heard that one of his colleagues, a friend of his, a male pathologist, had died of childbed fever. Well, wait a minute. This is a doctor. He wasn't a mother. Um, what? It turns out this doctor had pricked his finger while doing an autopsy on a woman who did die of this disease, and he caught it himself. Light went on. Semmelweis realized all the male doctors in this ward were also doing autopsies. He immediately demanded that all of them begin washing their hands with chlorine and water, and they turned on him. They turned against him. <gasps> oh, mutiny! Mutiny! I love a good mutiny story. Alan, you're making a face. What do you think? Okay, this reminds me of another time that we famously remember Chris bluffing. It is in reference to another famous uh, fictional German that he created. That's right, the advisor to the Kaiser. <laughs> we... That is my favorite scene. of all time, for the record. That is my favorite of all time. That was a great story. Shades of the advisor to the Kaiser in this story. That sounds like what an announcer at a boxing match would say about someone. <laughs> the advisor to the Kaiser. Yes. Tommy yes, Lepthook McGinty. I'd be like, wait, what does that mean about him? Why does he have an <laughs> Irish advisor? Yeah, <laughs> whatever his name is. Anyway, um, uh, Carlos, what do you think? I know that uh, that was funny, but I want your thoughts. Yeah, my thoughts are, I mean, Chris himself said that we were now in a time past like when people were we're looking at medicine as more of a science thing and less of a, like a magic or alchemy thing yet. Yet we're supposed to believe that these doctors didn't take care to try to cover their hands. You know, I don't know if they have they probably have plastic or no plastic or anything, but that they wouldn't already do processes to keep their hands clean. I find it hard that they would think that it'd be okay to have a wound around a dead body. I just don't. Know. So you do not believe that people were waiting in line to uh, take turns to wash their hands. The science ain't sciencing. Ooh, the science ain't sciencing. To paraphrase someone else who said the math ain't mathing, the science ain't sciencing. The science ain't sciencing. Well, I will count you skeptical as well. Um, and so I think that that is everybody talking about Chris's story. So I would like to now go to Carlos. Carlos, your turn to go first or go second in the story to tell us your second round. It begins whenever you hear the boom. Okay, so the name of his future wife was Ella. Great. So he's a chef in Paris, but you know, here's the thing. 
when he was young, he broke his uh, hand, his dominant hand, his right hand. So he always struggled a little bit with cooking things because, you know, he had a weaker hand and he had a bit of a disadvantage, but he loved it so much and he had a passion for it. So that's what he pursued. And now some people, though, credit that injury uh, with giving him the inspiration to invent the spatula. It's kind of like a necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. So, you know, he would come up with these little tools to help him out, like, like he would get a stick with a couple of rows of like small nails, carpentry nails, and pale through them to help him like scramble eggs. Uh, you know, he had a multi-bladed cleaver for uh, finely chopping things. Uh, you know, and, and and other other cooks around him would notice that these tools that he would make, and they would also start making tools as well. Well, um, I think that your story is starting to scan because. Gelinos in, uh, in English, the English transla translation is Cuisinart. So very, very good research there. Um, Chris, what do you think about his story? Okay. <clears throat> okay. So his right hand, he broke it or he lost it. I mean, a right, a, you break your hand and it heals. It doesn't, it's not magical. It didn't heal right. It was, it was before your magical doctors. <laughs> and there's no, uh, about washing And, and, and Carlos... Carlos himself even said necessity is the mother of invention. He needed a story for tonight, and he's inventing this as we go. And then I want to know, this guy created all this stuff. Was this, was this guy's last name Ronco? I don't get it. The whole stuff is made for TV. Oh, I get it. I think you're accusing me of Kaiser Sozing this situation. I'm not Kaiser Sozing this situation. <laughs> I don't appreciate the accusation. And also, that's usually his defense. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, Alan, your thoughts, please. Oh, I'm my advisor to the Kaiser Soze on this one. First of all, you spiked it in. Yeah, thank you. Um, the, the you don't need an injured hand to to justify why you're not going to make physical contact to the hot pan <laughs> to stir, mix, or or you know scrape the bottom of it with. You still would need a tool, even if you had perfectly good working fingers. This sounds like something that was inspired by. The villain Han from Enter the Dragon. He kept switching out his accessories on his hand. This isn't no, this is this is fiction. Also, Edward Scissor hands. Oh, that's fair. Uh, hey, uh, Alan, you get double points because you've been you've been giving us all of these great references. Enter the dragon, the uh, the um the flower, the national flower, everything. Um, that's a good point though. Like you wouldn't touch the hot pan. I think that's just normal human beings, hands or no hands, right? Like that's, correct. That's a good point. Um, so well, I am I'd like to point out, uh, Gina, no. if you don't have hands, you're not touching anything. So oh, that's a fair point. I mean, well. Oh, that's too much of an argument to get into right now. <laughs> we don't have time. We don't have time. Yeah, Not in this yeah. show. Moving on, moving on. Um, okay, so now it is actually Carlos's turn to do his last part of the story. And um, no, I lied. Well, I was just lying. I think um, I've got to go. Yeah, Alan's it is Alan's turn to do his last part of the story. I guess you guys mixed up all the time. You look so much alike. So um, I would like to now do uh, the round three for you whenever the boom starts. All right. Well, yeah, it was... Um, the, that song from Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling was repurposed onto the album Secret Dreams and Forbidden Fire. When Jim Steinman was producing Air Supply's 1983 single Making Love Out of Nothing at All for the Australian duo's greatest hits album, he called upon 70s guitar slinger Rick Derringer to add a majestic solo to the power ballad. And two years later, Derringer got Steinman to return the favor, recruiting the producer-composer 
to contribute to the song to the wrestling album for the WWF, uh, the 1985 lark by the muscle-bound stars of the then-WWF. Well, Steinman came up with a typically grand and bombastic instrumental number for Hulk Hogan, nimbly titled Hulk Hogan's Theme. And he credited all the WWF stars. The song was either derived from or went on to inspire the composition for Stein, what Steinman was producing, which was ravishing for Bonnie Tyler. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, they had the song first for the WWF. Am I misunderstanding? That is absolutely correct. Okay. Okay. That is really fascinating. Um, Carlos, Carlos, you're rubbing your face. What are you thinking? Uh, I mean, it sounds like he's describing like what a We Are the World would look like if it was just all WWF wrestlers. So that's what I'm uh, hearing. And while I know Alan would love to see that, and if he found a genie's bottle, he would wish for that. That does not make it so. Like, you want Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair to all like get together in a room and sing a song to sit If that happened, we'd all know about it, all right? We'd all know about it if that happened. Especially during the I love the VH1s, I love the 80s, and I love the 90s run. We would have seen that. They would not have. The stand up comics would have absolutely locked in on that. It'd be foolish not to. So we're saying either they were dumb or it didn't happen. And I'm I think I'm not saying they were dumb. Oh, oh uh, there was a slam on you, Alan. Chris. There's a boom right there. There's a boom. Slam dunk. Okay, Chris, what do you think? I, I'm gonna double down on Carlos's point there because the 1985 Chicago Bears famously made their Super Bowl shuffle that year. And and as Carlos pointed out, everyone was talking about that. Even people who didn't like football were making fun of it. Uh, so had this happened with the WWF stars, it would have been all over things. Plus, I would just want to point out that he was still dropping new names in that round. Um, and he disparately just kind of put out there like 63 factoids in, in disorganized fashion to confuse us because he's making us up on the fly and he's thinking of things as he goes. Oh, well, maybe Band-Aid and We Are the World and Super Bowl Shuffle were all happening and taking the news spots on only the three channels we had at the time um, so that you couldn't actually see what was happening. I don't know. We'll find out. And in, you know what, you know when we're going to find out? I'll tell you. Actually, Adam will tell you. We're going to learn all there is to know in round three. Well, that is fascinating now. We're, this is the last round. The round shrinks down to 45 seconds, and we are going to start right now uh, with Alan. Actually, Alan, I would like to hear your last part of the story, and your time mm. begins right now. While Steinman's Hulkster orchestral failed to become the champ's signature walk into the, the ring music, it did gain a second life on Saturday morning cartoons as the theme to Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon, which ran on CBS from 1985 through 1987. Tyler released Secret Dreams and Forbidden Fire in 1986, just six months after the wrestling album. So yes, it was originally used for the purpose of Hulk Hogan, and it was released on Bonnie Tyler's album while the show was still being shown on the air. So anyone who picked up that album and played it for their children who were big fans of wrestling had them going, what, is this Hulk Hogan? Oh, did that happen to you, Alan? Did that happen to you? <laughs> no <laughs> comment. Oh. So, so, Chris, your thoughts, please. All right. Uh, he just 
he just put the nail in his own coffin with that last round because Vince McMahon would have sued her pants off. He, she would have sued. She would have been sued to the moon and back by Vince McMahon. He is not one who lets other people use their creative stuff. I know who Vince McMahon is, but in case our audience doesn't, who is that guy? Uh, he runs WWE now, formerly WWF. Formerly, oh, okay. he yeah. formally ran it. <laughs> What's that? Right. He right. formally right. ran it. He no he's been ousted. Yes, he's been Ooh. ousted, but he did at that time. Yes, yep. Ooh, that's a whole story in and of itself. Well, that's very cool. Okay, so now we have to um, audience at home. That was uh, Chris's last round. I mean, Alan's last round. So you just think about that. See if you think he's bluffing, or we're actually going to go now to Carlos, and we're going to see. Um, this is his last oh, round. I, can I really quick comment on Alan's round here? Like, oh, I, I love think that. I, I somewhat, I think I remember this cartoon show he mentioned. So now I'm not sure because I don't know if that's uh, if that means it's true what he's saying or if that means he's just peppering a little bit of truth to make the lie taste better. Well, let me it's ask taking you this. quite you, a turn. <laughs> when you were little, did your mom have that Bonnie Tyler album? Huh? No. Oh, okay. We were not a Bonnie Tyler household. That was my first record I got in uh, Bonnie Tyler. I did have Urban Chipmunks, which was the chipmunk singing popular country songs at the time. Oh, I love a rainy night, for example. Yeah, yeah, they did that. All right, moving on. Um, that's fantastic. I can't believe we had the same album. Uh, so now um, that means that we're going to actually go to you, Carlos, now for your second round, and you can begin whenever the boom starts. Okay. All right, so, uh, you know, uh, Galenos made a bunch of little tools to help him out in the kitchen, and one of the tools uh, turned out to be the first rudimentary form of the spatula you know i think he's inspired because spades spades they existed but these were things that were used for like for carpentry and other tools and and pharmacy stuff and mixing and mending things and applying ointments but never really for food so he's like the first one that uses tool to uh manipulate food to to for spreading for flipping uh you know it was um you know he started with like a, a metallic blade but you know that's a heat conductor so he tried other materials to make it work and it caught on in in paris kitchens and then eventually around the world but he didn't see a dime he didn't get a dime of it because you know you can't invent like a shovel a shovel already exists so so he didn't get any money for inventing the best food for breakfast no because it was like he was just using a thing that kind of already existed but for something it was never used for before so isn't that convenient all right chris what are your thoughts Ah, he's talking about spreading and flipping with a metallic blade. Um, that is called turning over the soil using a hoe. This is a hoe he's talking about, not a spatula. And it, it's, you know, no, I, I, no, just no, no. There's no, no, no hoe, no. <laughs> That's all. All right, Alan, your thoughts, please. You're making a smirk. What's up? I'm, I'm just thinking, like, how were they making crepes before they had this spatula invention? How did they scrape anything off the pan if they had no thin metallic items to, to scrape it with? That just doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine. I try I often try to imagine myself back in those days, and I have no idea. So, Carlos, I, I'm stumped. I'll tell you that. Um, but what I do know is that we have one more person to hear from in their last round, and we're going to swing it over to Chris. Chris, you can begin telling your last story about Turn On Me. I wish my, my hands – I wash my hands of you. And this is where the where they did mutiny, right? Right? That's where we left off. Go ahead and start. 
Yes, yeah, so his staff had turned against him, and doctors, fellow doctors, were outraged that he was blaming them for these women's deaths. So his, his hypothesis went against the established scientific opinions of the time. He lost his job. He became outraged and started writing open letters, increasingly getting angrier and angrier, calling out the medical establishment. They all turned on him, declared him insane, had him put into an asylum where he was beaten by the guards so bad that he developed sepsis, the fatal bloodstream complication, ironically the same disease that killed the women with that he was studying with childbed fever. Only many decades later did hand washing become required and he was posthumously vindicated. <gasps> really? Well, um, for those of you don't, that means after he died. Um, so Alan, what are your thoughts, please? That's a horrifying depiction of history there. Uh, so, oh my goodness, that's just insane. This this doctor said, wash your hands. They said, not only we're not going to wash our hands, we're going to imprison you and murder you for daring to make us wash our hands. That's like we were being run by six-year-olds hundreds of years ago. I think it's because he wrote, wrote all of those open letters. The guards were pissed. Um, Carlos, your thoughts? Alan just said it succinctly. I have no. I, I don't know how much I can add. It's like if we're doing autopsies, that means that we have some semblance of scientific method going on. And at the <laughs> least, at the least, they'd be like, "Okay, your theory about little things that make people sick is crazy, but we'll test it for you." to see if it's true they wouldn't put it and again they would just fire him maybe they kick him out of the field they what benefit is it to uh, how is someone so angry that they're like we're gonna put you in an insane insane asylum for telling us to wash our hands that's ridiculous this is fiction and though that was the end and then he's like no then the guards beat him and and then he died in jail (laughs) what's that oh with that ironic ending yeah whatever (laughs) Right yeah, that's escalated story. Quickly. I don't know. So I think that we are all fired up, and I this means that only one thing, which means that we all get to tell the audience who we think is actually telling the bluff. Um, so uh, we'll start in this order. Chris, um, please give us your final thoughts. Tell us who you think is bluffing and why. Well, I think my final uh, count for Alan's name dropping is at uh, 37. Uh, but <laughs> having having said that, I'm actually going to declare Carlos the bluff, in my opinion, just because I don't believe this guy uh, just simply hurting his hand created, he, he caused him to become Ronco and create all these kitchen gadgets, including the <laughs> spatula. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so we have one vote for Carlos. And then, um, uh, Carlos, what do you think? Uh, again, I think I remember there was a cartoon show, so that, that gives some validity, some validity to Alan possibly telling the truth. And also, Chris's story is insane. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's like, I can't, I can't conceive of a time where people didn't have spatulas. I can't conceive of a time where people didn't wash their hands if they were already doing autopsies. I cannot conceive of that. So oh. it's Chris. Wow. So he is sticking to his guns very definitively. Alan, what do you think? Oh boy, we got one vote for Carlos, one vote for Chris. Yep, and uh, no votes for me. Okay. No so votes for you. So I, if you're the bluff, you're killing it. I'm killing it. Uh, if I'm the bluff, but uh-huh. I'm not the bluff because I'm going to vote for who the bluff is. Uh, flash forward to today. It is a requirement to wash your hands. I don't believe that there was some Captain Hook reject inventing the spatula. I'm voting for Carlos. Ooh, 
so Carlos has two votes, and if the studio audience has any votes, this will be the time. But um, I would just like to let you all know, I don't even know who the bluff is. So I'm going to turn it over to Adam the Tech. I'm going to take myself out, and he is going to reveal who tonight's history bluff actually is. That's take it away, right Adam. I am, Gina. All right. As you exit the stage, I'm going to line up our potential bluffers. We're not really sure who it is. Only I know. Could it be Alan? Or was it Chris? Or could it have been Carlos? I and I alone know. And I'm going to reveal it to you. Ladies and gentlemen, the bluff for tonight has been Carlos. Well done, sir. Well done. We caught you. We caught you, Carlos. I had you fooled till the very end. <laughs> Everyone knows that a spatula is not a real thing. Come on. All I know is when you improvise, that's one of the suggestions you get all the time. I was just like, really, I, I didn't believe it was you, Carlos, because I was like, it's just too simple. It's too simple. So good on you because you fooled us all. So I hope that but you no, all. No, I fooled you all. You fooled that's me. Said. Except you for the anybody. Two other panelists that voted for him. You all. Oh. That's what the host said. We done. <laughs> We caught Adam, him. We got him. him. Hit the song. We're now done. I want to change my vote. I think he was bluffing. I think he was bluffing. She does the bluff. Gina does not make this part. And tonight's show, uh, Carlos is the bluff. <laughs> we all thought it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wait, no, no one did. I fooled them all. No. It doesn't matter because I'm a dork and as red as my shirt. <laughs> so thank you so much tonight for coming out to History Bluffs. Adam the Tech, take it away because certainly I can't. <laughs> you got it. Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight. It's been awesome. Please tune in again. We're here all the time, every week. Come back and see us. Learn something.